The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, greetings. This is Gwendolyn, and I'm live today. Very alive. I got back from Australia on Friday, slept the whole weekend, and I am really excited about, uh, as I was getting ready for the show today, thinking about talking to you to directly for a change instead of a kind of uh, pre-record uh, voice. And uh, please, please call in if you uh, feel so inspired. We would love to hear from you. The call-in number is 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. I just found out about an hour ago from my esteemed producer, Sandra Rogers, executive producer, that we are now up to 8,000 people who are listening to us either live or um, on podcasts. So I know you're out there, and I would really love to hear your questions, your comments, your own stories. This is a show that should really be working for you as well. It's giving me a wonderful platform for me to share the principles and practices, concepts and tools, methods and strategies, and the people and the results of workplace visuality, of letting the workplace speak. And you have a story, too. I have been hearing from you by email. You've been asking me questions about machines and border material. (laughs) I love that, too. So in each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of embedding the intelligence of our operational system into the physical landscape of work through visual devices. We are not talking about visual devices as point solutions, but as a system, as a system of systems, as really the very ground in which your operations and your company culture and uh, company performance resides. It's physical, it's visual. And we reap great benefits, huge benefits, 15 to 30% increase in throughput, and we enjoy ourselves at work. It's one of, we design the workplace so that it speaks to us, and we have a partner, a constant partner in the work process, and we enjoy ourselves. We get into a deep flow. We stay connected. So, uh, I'm hoping in the next few months to have enough non-travel time to interview some people, um, and, and I will tell you a little bit more about that in a, in a few moments. So it doesn't matter what you make. You'll need visuality to make it right, to make it at the least cost, the most safety, the highest quality, the least distance, the least time. And you'll need visuality to make it again. We spoke about this before. High volume, low mix, or low volume, high mix, high complexity. It always needs a production profile. 
And that is what you replicate. That is what you embed. The fundamental transaction in a visual workplace is this. It's the translation of vital information into exact behavior. Oh, oh, you say, oh, but that is the foundation of all work. (laughs) And you're right, it is. The translation of vital information into exact behavior is what all work is about. But in a visual workplace... The difference is that translation is done through visual devices. The devices hold the information, and it's the devices that influence, direct, limit, or compel behavior. My behavior, your behavior, our behavior. My favorite example is the road signs. Say we're going, there's a speed limit sign alongside the road, very important behavioral requirement, a standard, a performance requirement, Go 60 miles an hour. Now go 15 miles an hour. And how are you going to make me do it? Well, the first translation is me telling you, you'll be the the person we're trying to control if that's okay. As you get into the car, we say, honey, please don't go. We just tell you, honey, please don't go over 60 miles an hour. Of course, my darling, you respond. I know you would rather have a new dress than to pay another one of my speeding tickets. Yes, I will do it. So we have agreement, we have a little baby contract, and off you go. And lo and behold, you come home with another ticket. You also have a bunch of roses in your hands to make me feel a little better about your abnormality, but you got another ticket because my telling you and smiling and you're smiling your agreement did not change the behavior. So the city fathers get involved and they put up speed signs to help you, my dearest, to help you translate that vital information into your behavior. And it almost worked. Well, at least you noticed the sign, and then you forgot. And then, as my sensei Shigeru Shingo used to say, and then you forgot, you forget that you forgot. That's what humans do. They forget that they forgot. And so we have to go a little bit further. And the way we go further is to... Embed the information more deeply, and you remember how we do that with a speed with a speed bump, right? Remember from my very first show, and we get the behavior change, whether you, darling, do it or not. I, you don't, you don't speed. You can't. You're airborne the first time over the first speed bump, the second speed bump. You're down to an appropriate speed, 15 miles an hour. I get my dress. You get to keep your license. And that's the fundamental transaction, vital information into exact behavior through visual devices. The only difference is from the roadways and the workplace is nine times out of ten, you create the device to govern your own behavior. And that creates this wonderful dynamic of self-direction and eventually self-leadership. We are growing leaders through visuality. People, you, me, and others who think for ourselves, who watch our own behavior, who become scientists of our own process. And I'm talking about CEOs as well, very much the topic of what we're going to be talking about today. That's what the technologies of the visual workplace are for. That is their purpose. Whether your company is a hospital, bank, engineering office, a retail outlet, a diner, a dry cleaners, or one of those massive food manufacturers, or military depot, or open pit mine. I met with Rio Tinto when I was in Australia. Talk about uh, a moving floor. Fabrication assembly factory. 
Visuality is a language. It is the language of your operational intelligence deeply embedded into the physical landscape of work, into the physical work environment. And by physical, I do mean the floor, the walls, the tools, benches, carts, drawers, shelving, desks, racks, computers. Yes, the computers. Yes, you can actually, visual can help computers help you because they need a little help, don't they? So much information and so little meaning. And in visuality, it doesn't get there unless you put it there. It doesn't happen by accident. It only happens by design. If a sight is visual, you can see it, and that's the point. Nothing is hidden from view except on the very highest levels of this form when you do pokeyoke, which is mastering cause on the attribute level when you do visual guarantees, very, very minute embedded behavior. Then it becomes invisible. Tremendous functional performance, visual functionality, and tremendous cultural impact. A workforce of self-leaders. So our our show today is about leadership, the final component of the so-called fourth doorway in my little model of ten doorways into a visual workplace, ten doorways for creating a workforce of visual thinkers. Doorway four is visual leadership. How executives and managers use visuality to govern, direct, and limit themselves so they can govern, lead, and direct others. Visual metrics, visual problem solving, visual leadership, visual perform, visual deployment. So today we're going to look at the executive level, this last component, which I call visual deployment, visual leadership. I'm going to kind of review um, the model to date, but I want to tell you a few important things first. First, I want to tell you, I had a wonderful time in India and a wonderful time in Australia, very different countries. I just got back a few days ago after a month away. It was really remarkable. In India, I was in Pune doing a keynote on workplace visuality for the Kaizen Institute, which is under the direction of a fabulous gentleman named Vinod Grover, Grover and his colleague, Jayanth, Jayanth, and he's, he, he helped me remember his name because he is a giant, but it's spelled J-A-Y-J-A-N-T-H, Jayanth Murthy. Excellent, excellent people who are doing wonderful work, very, very deep work, work that uh, really goes back 30 or 40 years. There's a tremendous amount of sophistication. The thing that has happened is that India has caught up with that sophistication and wants it. And so these um, very um, scholarly and practiced professionals now have an opportunity to use their back doorstep as a laboratory of their own excellence and to bring many of the Indian companies into excellence. I was very, very impressed. And I mean, the food there is unbelievably good. I was a full vegetarian for five days and felt entirely healthy. I never ate better. So, and then there was Australia, and I'm going to do an interview of Vinod, Vinod Grover, uh, very soon. We just have to kind of organize a time, and you will get a chance to meet the winner of the Kaizen Institute's uh, uh, Prize of the Year in India. Very, very beautiful. Beautiful man, beautiful work. Australia, Albury, Wodonga, Adelaide, Sydney, 
we're all, we're going to interview John Redford from Wilson Transformer. He has a, a, a wonderful uh, workforce. Everything's <laughs> everything's wonderful, wonderful with me today. I'm so glad to be back with you. I really am. Feel like I've come home. Uh, at any rate, we'll interview him with his zero harm, zero waste, and complete customer satisfaction always. We did some good work there with the scoreboard process. Good work with R.M. Williams, the iconic Australian company. And then we went on to Sydney where we had a huge uh, group, about 80 or 90 people. And we did the seminar. And I, it was my birthday the day before, and I sailed. The, I didn't sail. I took one of the ferries in Sydney Harbor and moved over those sunbright waters. And the Queen Mary, too, was docked. It was just a thrill. So when we get back, um, I, I don't think I can squeeze this in. I have one more announcement to make before the break, and then I will tell you one more thing, and then we'll jump right into this very interesting visual leadership. See you in a minute. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, Visual Edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. Hi, I'm back. And I'm going to speak more slowly. I think I'm getting just too excited to see you. Uh, let me slowly tell you about a workshop, uh, I should say a seminar and plant tour that I'm doing in a couple of weeks over in Rhode Island. I'm going to be traveling to New England and I'll be conducting on Tuesday, March the 27th, a visual workplace visual thinking seminar 
in Rhode Island, right near the warehouse. I'm sorry, right near the airport. I beg your pardon, in Warwick, <laughs> right near the airport in Rhode Island. And it's sponsored by LEI, the Lean Enterprise Institute. I'm really glad that we are working together. And it's coupled with a plant tour the next day, Wednesday, March the 28th, and a visual sight assessment of Vibeco vibrators. And that's in Wyoming, Rhode Island, which is, I love that. Wyoming, Rhode Island is like saying big shrimp. Um, with all due respect, wonderful Rhode Island. It's a jewel of a plant, the brainchild and creative expression of Carl Wadenstein, which, whom some of you know, the legendary owner of Vibeco and also host of Lean Nation Radio. He's a force to be dealt with. He's wonderfully creative. He is entirely improvement-minded, and there are so many things that are interesting about that plant. They're pretty deeply lean, and now they're going to do they want to become visual, and I think it would be very interesting. Our plan is that a year from now, we'll go back and we'll do a reassessment uh, when the plant has made its visual transformation. So you can learn more about this on our website, visualworkplace.com, or you can email us at radio at visualworkplace.com, or you can log on to LEI's website, uh, lean.org, and look uh, for specialized workshops under education and uh, you can register there or find out more. Go directly to their calendar and you'll see us. I'd love to see you there. It should be, it's going to be a very, very good two days. So now let's get started with today's substance, visual leadership. You know, I, uh, I talked about, I put the term Barracuda leader into the title because I want to really talk about the quality of leadership that I've discovered is very important uh, in leading a company. Many business owners and managers, CEOs, they struggle a bit with their role as leaders. They struggle with what does effectiveness mean? How do I actually lead the company and not just maintain it? And some people don't make a sharp line distinction between maintaining and leading, and that means trouble when a company needs to grow, when it needs to compete, not just kind of keep in business. So what do leaders do? In my experience and in my view, leaders do this. They name the horizon and they drive the enterprise in that direction. They are in charge of vision, principles, values, focus, strategy, systems, structure, and resources. That's what they're in charge of. They focus on developing, on sharing, on aligning, and on driving. And they do that through that, through those things, through vision, through principles, through values, through structure, systems, strategy, resources. Leaders set the direction, assign resources, and hold steady to the course. In visual leadership, they intentionally deploy physical mechanisms, visual devices, to do this work, to focus on the horizon and to drive us onwards towards us. They require us to move towards the horizon, and they use visuality, visual devices, as the tools of their train to make it so. I'm going to say that again more clearly, as the tools of their trade to make it so. So I'm going to walk you through a process. Hopefully, we can encapsulate this in the 40 minutes that are left of the show. 
And as part of that, as I, 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 as I walk you through this kind of prescription that any leader, any one, one can adopt, even somebody who wants to become a leader, I think that you will find this useful, this kind of concept. So I want to walk you through this. If you remember, we were at a point in doorway four where visual metrics are in place. Visual problem is propelling the workforce down the causal chain. Do you remember that discussion? Standards are improving and visual solutions are stabilizing those in, those improvements. These are the three of the shows I did in February. If you missed them, you can go back and get a little bit more detail. Excuse me, I need to cough. <coughs> Pardon me. Leaders, with that in place, leaders are able to see their organization, and I use this word very advisedly, behave. They can watch their organizations behave, and they can help their organizations move forward. They use problem solving as a jumping off point, but they're ready now for a much more visible and dynamic role. They are ready to lead, and they need to lead. The organization is poised because these other components are in place to actually pick up speed and move. This thing called vector force, it's direction and thrust. It's an engineering term, and I really like it. It's about forcefully moving forward in a predetermined direction. Okay? Leaders own the horizon, but they also own the pacing. So leaders are in charge of the pacing. Mm -hmm. And leaders, these men and women really crave excellence just the way we do. And visuality, visuality will help them sharpen and satisfy that hunger. So I want to talk about structure because we are going to be talking about using visual to structure in leadership. And I hope that I can make a good point of this. I'm actually writing a book on it. If it were written already, I would have much finer language. But I'm finding the language. And this show has given me another opportunity to kind of articulate it. What I've noticed over the years is that is the power of structure. The power of structure, of shape, of architecture, if you will, organizational, um, I don't want to say organizational, of, of things to help people become more of themselves, do better work, make greater contributions. What I mean by structure is that a thing exists that is beyond an idea. It exists as a physical form, not just I better remember my appointments, but a day timer. Not just, I better slow down so I don't run over the dogs in this neighborhood, but a speed bump structure. Not just, I need to get more focused on moving this company forward, helping it grow, but a business systems improvement template, an X-type matrix an operations roadmap, and I'm going to walk you through those because those are the three main tools of visual leadership on the executive level, this part of the doorway. Business systems improvement template, the X-type matrix, and the operations roadmap. They are there to make sure that I, as the leader, understand the connection between tools and the marketplace. They make sure that I can say yes to the few and wait to the many, which is a very, very important executive um, 
executive position to say yes to the few and wait to the many. And they help me know which are the few and which are the many. And these tools, these structures are in place to make sure that my corporate policy gets translated into meaningful action on the operations level. So we are translating through form, through these mechanical things, abstraction into action. We are using structure. And those are just some examples. Otherwise, without structure, it's you talking, you talking at me again or you sending me an email or me sending one to you. Remember Eliza Doolittle, words, 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 I'm so sick of words. I get words all day through, first from him, then from you. Remember that? And she ends it by saying, show me, show me. Don't just talk about it. She's got a funny line I, I really love, which is, um, uh, never do I want to hear another word. There isn't one I haven't heard. Say one more word and I'll scream. <laughs> that was her sentiment. It's all blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's the way it is sometimes with, the, you know, corporate leaders and the mission and the vision and the blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? Show me. Leaders have to find a way to structure in their message, both to ensure that it is communicated, and I use that in quotes, and also to ensure that it results in action, in aligned action. That's the beauty of visual leadership. Leadership, visual leadership links into our natural capacity and our need to understand words through messages. It links in form. Okay? In form. So, it's a very high mandate. Very important for aligning performance. And that alignment is designed by you. It's alignment with the corporate intent. So here's the process as I know it. And I'm basically going to kind of take you through the whole fourth doorway in order to arrive at the point where visual leadership is needed. And I want you to notice this is a little nine-step process. It comes in at seven. I have never seen a leader able to do any leader worth its uh, weight without having certain other things in place. And so in this doorway of executive leadership, we have to prepare the organization to be, in a sense, leader-worthy or leader-ready. And the process begins simply by this. And this is for those of you out there who are saying, how do I begin this? I want to be a great leader. I'm going to give you my formula for it, one that has worked for me and worked for the leaders who have um, uh, allowed me honored me with uh, with their time and allowed me to work with them. And you begin as simple as this. You just start collecting data. And what I mean by that is if you must, just count. If nothing else, just count. Count. And ask people to count. You can get fancy later. But step number one is to start counting. Counting stuff. Counting performance outcomes. Counting. Don't even bother to count by the month. Don't get into that that uh, bad habit. It takes you in the wrong direction. Count by day. Count the number of times such and such happens. Count the number of times it doesn't happen. Count the number of mistakes. Just count. 
This is not a powerful use of measure, but it will get you started. And do this day by day and then roll it up until you have a month's work worth. You have a month's worth of data. Here, all you're doing is simply monitoring performance. You're just monitoring it. You're watching it behave. You're not understanding it that well. You certainly don't know why things are happening. But later on, you'll be able to shift into using metrics to drive performance. That'll happen uh, in step four. We're in step one. So just get started there. Doing this does not get you to the starting line, but it does get you out of bed. Okay? You gotta begin. You gotta begin by getting out of bed. This is getting out of bed. So we gotta go to a break now. When you come back, I'll continue and I look forward to it. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So I'm going to have to pick up a little speed here, but I also need to go a little bit deeper because I want to bring you along and want this to be useful to you. So number one, we started counting. This is to get us into the leadership mode. We're not really in the realm of visual yet. We're just counting things. We're keeping track. We might be putting things into a visual format so we can see. We make a little Pareto. We make a chart. And by the way, every time we learn something new, we always start very small. So for you as a leader, you just pick one department and you say in this one department, hey, guys, I want you guys to start counting. I'm going to come visit. I want to see what happens. You, you do your little demonstration site, your learning line, and you learn. The first cycle is always for your learning. So you want to learn how this is going to help you as a leader. you got to do this experiment. So you do it just in one department. You come visit, okay? Second thing you do is you start looking for problems related to the counting. You have other problems as well, plenty, the kind that bear their teeth at you every day. You're already addressing those. You... You're firefighting. We call that firefighting. But 
look at the problems that your counting reveals, different set of problems, and begin to address them, which will probably be through firefighting as well. Don't worry about that. That's just where you are right now. We're getting you in the position for you to be able to uh, lead. We have to raise your awareness about what's going on and what does leadership mean. The third thing you do is you get your supervisors to develop visual displays. The ones that I talked about, I think it was in January, they are eye-driven. These are not dashboards. Dashboards are just reports to you or to a manager. They are not eye-driven. A visual display that I'm talking about, eye-driven, reveals the pain of the supervisor. What is not working for him or her? Okay, you don't start with all your supervisors when you do this unless you are under the tutelage of a sensei who's guiding this conversion work. Otherwise, you just start with one or two supervisors, just the way you started with one or two counting metrics. That's all. And your supervisors learn how to capture their worries and their complaints in a two-dimensional display. Maybe it has some moving parts. They keep it up to date. And gradually, you can populate the floor with visual displays. At some point, they begin to talk to each other, and that will help your production process immensely, especially if you're making the conversion from traditional operations to the new excellence. So once you get displays going, the next step is, number four, you now shift your counting or your monitoring metrics to visual metrics, to metrics that drive They drive where? Remember, they drive down the causal chain. They reveal cause. They illuminate cause. The key to doing this, there's several, but one of the keys is you segment the data. You explode the dot. Instead of just saying six happen, you say, what's in that dot? What's in those six? And you begin to stack or stratify. Maybe you do it by location. Maybe you do it by type of defect if you're looking at quality or when the quality happened or who found it or what was the model or what was the, the, um, the uh, material that was being used. You segment in some way. You explode that count, that number. What's in that count? Another, and, and when you do, you start finding a voice that is meaningful to the, in local terms, to the people who are around that cause. So what you've just done, and we, we spent a whole show on this, you went from metrics that monitor to metrics that drive. Because you need to drive, you better get metrics that drive. Drive where? Drive down the causal chain. In that way, you are going to approach your horizon. So all of that is review. The last piece of the review is step number five, which is to start visual problem solving. The other kind of problem solving is, you know, in in truth, firefighting. It's not really solving anything at all. It's just kind of keeping the monster at bay, keeping the beast in his cage. But in visual problem solving, if you remember, you engage a team of stakeholders in developing a richly described a a rich description of the problem. You write up these cause cards and then you shift from that rich description to solutions that just about pop right off of the board because your description of the what is state is so deep. I call it scoreboarding, formerly CDAC, taught to me by my sensei Ryuji Fukuda in the 1980s. It is capable of handling complex, costly problems, multivariate, in a way that A3 is simply not designed to. I like A3, but not for complex problems. Or 
you can use A3. Okay, but now you're really structuring in the problem. You're describing it. You're structuring in the solution. Very, very good. So that's the end of the review. Now we're in visual leadership. Now you're ready. You have parts of your organization that knows how to illuminate cause. They know what the problem is. Now you need to name the horizon. This is if it's never been done before. Some of you have slipped into corporate structures that this comes in kind of prefabricated. But I'm going to pretend that it is all coming from you. Number six is simply this. You make it personal. You put yourself into the company. You as the ranking side executive will now become visibly and dynamically involved. You will take up the flag and you will lead. You have to make that decision because the tools that we're going to enter into next will put you right in the front. This is the moment and not earlier because it's just about impossible to lead if structures aren't already in place. The displays, the problem solving, the visual metrics. It's the difference between a mob and an army. An army is about structure. A mob is about emotion and undifferentiated power. Armies are about thrust and direction, designed action. Mobs are about emotion and reaction. So you're ready. You've got some You have a workforce that will follow you. Now you can begin to lead, or may I say, in some cases, to learn to lead. So, now you're going to name the horizon. This is step number seven. By naming the horizon, you do this. You learn the connection between strategy and your customer. I don't want to make too much about strategy because strategy is about only one thing nowadays – It's about time. We're talking about manufacturing or operational strategy. It's about the metric of time or the metric of speed. That's all it's about. So, I I mean, we can spend a whole show on strategy, and if you write me and say you want me to, then we can devise this. But for the schooling of an executive, the anchor structure is what I call the business systems improvement template. This is a mouthful. <laughs> the business systems improvement template. However, you've seen it before, even though they haven't been particularly useful. It's called the house. The house. The house of Toyota, the house of Virginia Mason, which is a really great hospital, the house of Rolls Royce, the Amtrak house, the Warner Robins house. It's the house, the house of Scania. They make wonderful engines and cabs in Holland. There's a roof, there's a pillar, there's a base. And you've got what are the pillars of our production system? This is the roof, the customer's the roof, and the base down there are all your tools and people. But here's the thing. I don't want you to adopt someone else's house. I want you to develop a house of your own. I don't want you to copy one of those the way thousands of other companies have done for decades Corporate bequeaths them a house, and it becomes your house. I want you to create a house of your own. No cookie-cutter houses. And the reason for that is if you develop a house of your own, you're going to begin as the leader to understand these connecting points. You are going to learn about it. Now, you need a kind of strong, strong-arm person to say, you will do this. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to copy somebody else's house because you kind of like it, but you won't understand it. Hmm? 
cookie cutter houses, you know, is better than no deployment concept at all. But copying someone else's production system, this deployment house, this operational excellence house, is like counting when you get started on your search for metrics. It gets you out of the bed, but it doesn't get you into the starting gate, let alone running the race, let alone winning it. You have to do this homework. Mm -hmm. Don't hide behind the corporate house. Even if you're required to adopt it, take it apart. This is what I mean. We're beginning to now approach what I mean by a barracuda in terms of barracuda leadership. A barracuda leader is a man or a woman who is always hungry and always looking for lunch. The hunger is for excellence. Some call it winning. The lunch is the next improvement breakthrough. The next jump, preferably a quantum jump. You know these people. They are perfectly nice human beings on the outside. In fact, that's one of the requirements. Very friendly, diplomatic, smooth balance, easygoing, even sunny. But on the inside, they are a riot of demand. Inside, they are screaming for results, for change, for demonstration. They're barracudas. I could have called it piranha uh, leadership, but piranhas move just a little bit too fast. You know, now you see it, now you don't. (laughs) And they also move in mobs. (laughs) But it's very important to feel that within you. And many times here in the United States especially, we are not given uh, permission to feel fierce about our leadership, to feel fierce about our requirement for excellence, to feel fierce about saving the company and moving the company forward. We've got this, um, you know, Truman quote, how to lead as though you have no authority. Okay, well, that's the nice part. you got to be nice on the outside. But on the inside, you have to be burning up with your own passion, if you want to give it the mildest possible term, your own ferocity of I will have this happen. I mean, I like Jean, Jean-Luc Picard and Russell Crowe in uh, Gladiator. I often give that assignment to leaders who uh, agree to have me get involved with them. Watch Gladiator and tell me who you are and who you want to be. Remember him? Move as one. I mean, remember when that Hannibal army came racing through the gates with Sores on their wheels, cutting people in half. And you know what? That guy was lined up. Nicer guy you couldn't ever want to meet. Russell Crowe. But as a leader, also in Master and Commander, he's he's magnificent holder of that. And Jean-Luc Picard as well. What clearer leadership is there than to say, make it so? Hmm? Make it so. I learned everything I need to know about management from Star Trek. I need to read that book. I understand it's out of print. But I'm talking about Kurt Williams from Parker Hannifin, Peter Dobbs from Cobham, Steve, Stephen Pollard from Rolls Royce, Luan No from Barnes Aerospace, the embodiment of the woman par- Barracuda leader, Mark DeLoe from Nautobomb Trailers, or formerly so, Jerry Bussell, Chester Zalea, Carl Wadenstein, who's going to be at Vibeco Vibrators, and hundreds of other Barracuda leaders I've yet to meet, or Barracuda leaders in the making, hungry, always hungry, and on the outside, Mr. or Miss Nice. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Well, I got a signal. We're moving to a break. We'll come back, and I hope that I can uh, share the rest of this. I'd better speed it up a little bit. See you in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. So we are talking about visual leadership, and we're at the part where I'm describing the profile of the Barracuda leader. Hungry, always hungry on the inside, and very nice on the outside. Barracuda leaders are thoroughbreds, if I can mix my metaphors, and they must race. They race for the pleasure of it, but they also race for winning. Mm -hmm. And here are two more things. Barracuda leaders usually don't start that way. They're not born to the cloth. They have to learn how to be that. They have to be groomed. They groom themselves or someone grooms them to walk that razor's edge, to be nice and to drive, to be to drive and yet still be nice. Mm? Many of them have the business systems improvement template, that house, in their bones. But if they don't, they have to learn it. So you have to begin by learning that structure, this house, the roof, the pillars, the base. Let me give you some more detail on this. The business systems template is, um, let me see, I'm trying to summarize this. Okay. So what you have to do is you have to match the market, what the market requires of you in order to stay in business and capture more market share. And you have to figure out how to, you have to match that with a tactical area. What is the most market sensitive? And there are six. And you're going to find one or two that are the most market sensitive, and you're going to focus on that, your tactical focuses. Is it product? 
Is it quality? Is it your processes, how things get done? Is it agency, your assets, your machines? Is it your service? Which is the most mission critical? Because that's the discipline of market leaders. We can't do everything at once. If we attempt to do so, we'll be out of business. So which one or ones? What is your bidding leader? What's lunch? Focus us. That's what your people say to you. Focus us. I want to run this race as well. You're my leader. Tell me what to focus on. Hmm? And there's always the sixth area, which is people. The sixth tactical f- focus is people, and people are always a part of that strategic mix. But you get to choose one or two others. And as leaders or leaders in the making, as you as you get to know your business systems improvement template, this house, you learn how to connect the various pieces. You are now going to connect tools to that tactical focus. So first you need to know what's available in your, what, where is the expertise? What are the tools that are available for you in your organization? And if you are missing some major ones, you got to bring that capability in. Mission critical tools. And that's why you choose the tools. Yeah, you need a baseline, you need the metrics, you need the visual, you need problem solving. But then how are you going to drive? Drive a wedge into this tactical focus and make it behave differently. It's not that hard to learn how to use a business systems template to build your house, but it takes some time because the learning is internal. It's your homework as leaders. It is an embedded requirement because you need to learn to decide. Deciding is one activity that no leader can ever get too much practice at. Decide. You get to decide. You get to put your 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 neck on the line. And in that decision must be clean and it must be authenticated. Yeah, you can do it on gut, but believe me, leaders who decide on gut have a lot of practice in knowing in distinguishing this from that. That's one of the reasons why I'm opposed to having these houses constructed by committee, let alone bequeathed from corporate. You have to learn the form because the form will then teach you back. This is where you practice. This is your Aikido leader, workplace leader. The process of learning the template and getting the pieces to fit and work together is some of the best, most important, long-term grooming that an executive can undertake. I recommend it without hesitation. Then you show the template and you can explain it and you can bring others along. Okay? Yeah, you can have your senior team also create their own house and then you can compare it. But at some point, you say, okay, I love your template. Now look at mine and make sure you understand it because this is what we're going to use. You do not need to move for cons- to consensus. Don't get brought brought into that, that you have to move for consensus. If your team needs a lot of process work, we'll talk about that some other time. Let me know if you're interested. I've got a nice visual form for you to decide on that. But own that house. Step number eight, now deploy. And the form that I like, the tool of choice is both highly visual and highly structured. It's called the X-Type. My sensei, Ryuji Fukuda, introduced it to the United States back in 1985. I was at his knee. Danaher, for one, has adopted it corporate-wide. Within 30 days of any new acquisition, they put an X-Type in place. It's a form of Hoshin Conry. Hoshin Conry just means shiny compass. It means a direction, policy deployment. 
a mechanism for mapping out the corporate intent for a single year and deploying it down the levels until the echo is heard from the rest of the organization. So I will not be able to complete this uh, today. I can tell. I want to go through two more things, the X-type matrix and then the operations roadmap, which is the translation of the X-type into something that is palatable, friendly for the shop floor. Lots of people stop at the X-type and then just give directives. And I, I want to spend time on that. I know, you know, I'm a writer, so I use too many words for everything. Believe me. Ask my boyfriend. <laughs> too many words, Gwendolyn. But I like words. So I used perhaps too many words today or just underestimated how much there was to say about this. Hope this turns into a 300-page book with lots of pictures. Because these forms, and I'll, I'll pick it up in our next show from here. It'll be a, a live show as well. Next Tuesday will be a live show, and then I start traveling again. But I want you to understand how important putting your thinking and putting your direction, your mission, your strategy into form is if you want to lead. Because when you have it in form, then your voice is left when you're not even on site. Your intention is left in form when you're, you know, on, caught on a plane. You're leaving the blueprint. You're leaving the footprint. You're leaving you. And and so be careful, leaders. Do not just adopt these, even something like the X-type, which I've seen created by consensus. No. It's a leadership tool. And even though others may learn how to use it so they can appreciate the hard work of saying yes to the few and wait to the many, you your X-type is what is at the top position. Your X-type is the, the leading X-type. Your template is what leads. Okay? And you are, you understand it passionately. Just the way you understand a baby that grows up to an 18-year-old and then you survive that and you get to know that person at 34. You get to know that person. You get to know those forms and you can start um, being an impresario, you can orchestrate because you're so deeply aware of how the how these forms work together. This is your homework. This is where you make your contribution. This doorway is yours into a, operational excellence through visuality. These forms become the tools of your trade. We have many, many, many great examples. I'm thinking again of... Danaher, uh, I'm sorry, at Brandenburg uh, from Delphi. He had some faults, I admit, but he was an exceptional leader. So I want to thank you very much for listening. I hope this has been sufficiently coherent for you to feel it's been a good use of your time. And I look forward to next week where we talk about visuality. Um, we'll continue our conversation about leadership. And I'll kind of listen to today's show and see if I've left any big holes in it and uh, make up for it the next time. It's a very, very important part of creating a workforce of visual thinkers. And uh, please send me some emails so I know how to shape the conversation. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening, giving your time to this. And I hope that you do get visual. And as you know, I love photos, so send me photos. I got a great photo today of a rock in front of a sign. 
but it's in Spanish, and I have to get somebody to translate it. Something is a, the rock and the sign go together, and uh, if I can get somebody to translate it, I think it's going to be really cool. So thank you very much. I had a wonderful time with you today, and I look forward to the next time. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. Bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.